Welcome to Taking the Party Out of Politics. This is a podcast about understanding how politics is supposed to work, why it isn't working as well as it could be working, and what we might be able to do about it. In Series 1, we took a look at how government is supposed to work from the perspective of us, the voters. In Series 2, we took a look at how government is supposed to work from the perspective of someone trying to get elected and then trying to do a good job. This is Series 3. In Series 3, we're looking at what we might be able to do to make things work a bit better. We'll be using our understanding of what bits of our political systems aren't working and why they aren't working to explore ways in which we might be able to change things around a bit to make it all work a bit better. Importantly, whilst we're sharing our ideas, we're also sharing some of the best of your ideas about how to make things work a bit better. Welcome to episode 32 of Taking the Party Out of Politics. Today we're going to continue our look at how we solve some of the big challenges facing us and our political system. Yes, that's right, we've spent the past year or so detailing the problems But now we're going to take our understanding of the problems, our understanding of why things aren't working as well as they should be working, and we're going to start to bring together some of the best ways in which we could change things. And it is about changing things, tweaking things, adjusting things. It isn't about throwing the baby out with the bathwater. There are many good things in our political system, and we should keep the good things. But we shouldn't be overawed by the good things. We should acknowledge where there are shortcomings and we should work out how to fix them. Today, we're going to continue that process by looking at the idea of citizen thinking. Now, the starting point here is that none of us is as clever as all of us together. I mean, we've always known that. Medieval kings and queens had advisers, for example, the Privy Council. And there are all sorts of specialists and experts who work within the civil service, in universities and for lobby groups. This is not an argument for not having experts, but it is an argument for not believing that experts are the only ones who can have good ideas. And it is also an argument for not believing that you only need to listen to just one expert at a time. Many different points of view, many different ideas, all together, give us a richer and fuller understanding. The point here is not just about all the people whose job it is to come up with the good ideas. The point is that, from time to time, any of us might come up with a new way of thinking about things. A new perspective. A new idea. But how would anyone else know? If you had a great idea, who would you tell? Who would listen? Well, if we're going to try to have the most effective government, delivering the best services for the best value then we need to work out if there's a way of sharing all the best ideas and also a way of filtering out the very best of all of them. We might call it gathering stones together. Now, this is a slightly different possibility when compared with the other ideas we've discussed in this series. Sort of a a third answer, perhaps more of a way of changing the system rather than changing the way we use the system but still on more or less the same thing of gathering the best ideas together and of engaging the public. Citizens' assemblies bring together representatives of the public to engage on a particular issue, to answer a particular question or to address a particular topic. Citizens' assemblies are a great way of engaging the public to address the wicked issues and to make it possible for our elected representatives to act with 
less fear of suffering electoral consequences. However, citizens' assemblies are set up by government, the terms of reference are set up by government, and the topic or question is chosen or phrased by government. Now that's great for the purposes of the citizens' assemblies, but there's still more that we, the public, could do. Lots of us have good ideas. In fact, it doesn't matter how clever any one person is. As I just said, no one can have as many good ideas on their own as all of us can together. So how would we gather together the best ideas? And how would we sort out the ones which were really, really good? Well, we've touched on this before. Technology is moving on. There are platforms where we can engage with essential information, the best ideas. There's background details, Gapminder, for example, or even the social media version of sharing Gapminder, like information in a gentle competition with your friends, such as the Talk Together quiz app. The stuff which demonstrates that we understand and that we have thought about context and implications. There are platforms where ideas are shared. There are tools which enable those ideas to be sifted, amalgamated, combined and sifted again. There are tools which enable us to demonstrate the thinking and the logic behind the ideas. There are platforms where our thoughts about ideas are sifted. YouGov is a little bit like that. It throws out some comments at you and asks you what you think of those comments, or voting for your favourite competitor on a reality TV show. There are elements here of a popular sifting. Another is the stock market. It's not always perfect, but the stock market does collate the thoughts and expectations of everyone who is, quite literally, putting their money where their mouth is by buying the things which they think are going to be worth having, and by selling the things which they think are not going to be worth having. Or indeed, any supply and demand situation. We will pay more for a cold drink if we can buy it where and when we want, out on the beach on a hot day, than we would if we were buying a multi-pack of exactly the same drink at the supermarket close to home, although perhaps it wouldn't be chilled, at least not at that point. We're prepared to pay more than the price we could have paid because we want it more at that point on the beach and in that condition, chilled, so the price is higher. So this is the suggestion. Would it be possible to start to encourage as many members as possible of the public to engage in an ongoing sharing of ideas. Perhaps also in an ongoing sharing and updating of context and information, demonstrating that we are up to date and that we understand things. Perhaps that we understand the key information as provided by a new type of media. In due course, it might even be possible to put all of our best ideas together to develop our own manifesto create our own list of the things which we want our politicians to deliver. Now, who would like to stand for election to deliver what the people actually want? Well, so how would this work in practice? In practice, there would have to be two parts to this, possibly three. First, there's the gathering of the best ideas. Second, there's some way of filtering all the ideas so that we have the very best ideas. And perhaps third, there's some way of working out what really is the best thing to do not just to act because an idea sounds good, but to look at all the implications and to try to make the very best guesses about the future. Let's take an example idea and follow it through the three stages of this process. Let's imagine that we reckon it would be a good idea if no heavy goods vehicles, trucks and lorries, were allowed to travel in the fast lane of any dual carriageway or motorway. Now you may have got stuck behind one lorry in the fast lane of a two or three lane carriageway, 
as it gradually, oh, so gradually, edges past another lorry. Perhaps the overtaking one is travelling a mile an hour faster than the other. Perhaps not even that much. I've certainly been stuck behind such a pair of lorries, perhaps sometimes for five or ten minutes, as one tries to creep past the other. And the result is not just that passenger vehicles get backed up behind the lorries, it's also that drivers get frustrated and then start to drive faster in some sort of attempt to make up the time wasted when they've been stuck behind the lorries. Faster, which makes it both less environmentally friendly, but which also makes it much more dangerous. Well, let's consider how we put this idea out into the world. The idea is no heavy goods vehicles should be allowed to travel in the fast lane of any dual carriageway or motorway. How would we put it out there? Let's work through those different stages. First, gathering ideas together. Well, this is actually just a, a technical solution. At one level, not much more sophisticated than the comments section at the foot of articles of online media outlets. Lots of people already post their ideas, their reactions, what they think of an article. Well, there are lots of fairly straightforward options for collating ideas, which don't have to be much more sophisticated than this. It might help to have people to try to categorise their ideas a bit so they can be sorted. Use a, a basic web form so that it can be identified as something which refers to transport rather than defence, something which is urgent or something which is not urgent. This is actually already in line with the government digital strategy. Action 14 says that policy teams will use digital tools and techniques to engage with and consult the public. And thinking about our idea about lorries in the fast lane, we would fill in an online form indicating that it's concerned with transport, tick, that it isn't urgent, tick, that it might be about improving public safety, tick, and so on. That it might be about making travel on the motorway network safer, and also about making it more environmentally efficient, and so on. Sort of like putting tags on a web page or hashtags on a Twitter post so that it will appear in certain targeted searches. Not particularly complicated, technically. The complicated bits come next, working out how to do anything with this vast pool of ideas and suggestions. So that takes us to the next stage. Second, filtering all those ideas. How do we work out which ideas are the very best ones, the ones which we should be really thinking about seriously? I mean, we can't realistically take on board 69 million new ideas, one per person in the UK, every week, or even every year. OK, well, have you heard about the wisdom of crowds? The idea of the wisdom of crowds dates back quite a long time. For example, a British statistician called Francis Galton was supposed to have been at an agricultural fair in 1906, and to have observed a competition to guess the weight of an ox once it had been slaughtered and butchered. The story goes that 800 or so people guessed the weight. Some were experts, like farmers and butchers, and some less expert. Well, between them, the average of all the guesses was amazingly close to the exact number. The average of all the guesses was 1,197 pounds when the actual weight was 1,198 pounds. Well, this is an idea to take carefully. The average of all the knee-jerk reaction, uninformed, unreflected, unexamined opinions in the UK might not necessarily be the way of making the best policies. Opinions which are reached on the basis of feeling or prejudice rather than clear, good information. But on the other hand, 
Whilst all number one records aren't brilliant, and not all the best records made it to number one, most of the very best records have made it somewhere high up the charts. In other words, if there was a way of sharing the wisdom of crowds, the insight of everyone together, then perhaps there would be a way of sorting through all the ideas. If you think back to the estimates about the weight of the ox, the people who put in their guesses probably stopped to think about it. Perhaps had a walk around the ox, thought about other oxen which they had seen before, compared it to their mother-in-law. Well, well, probably not that one, but you see what I mean. The averages of all those guesses was not just an average of a bunch of random numbers. It was, it was the average of some very carefully considered estimates. Attempts to do this, to share the wisdom of crowds, are still being developed. They are called decision markets. So, how would you set things up to get the best from wise crowds and decision markets, sharing and identifying the best thinking? Well, something along these lines. First, you'd need to ensure you had diversity of opinion. Each person should have some private information, even if it's just their eccentric interpretation of the known facts. Two, they should be independent. Opinions are not determined by the options people see around them. Three, they should be decentralised. People are able to specialise and draw on local knowledge. And four, there should be aggregation, some mechanism for turning collective judgments into a collective decision. If a group satisfies these conditions, its judgment is likely to be accurate. So that's diversity of opinion, independence, decentralisation and aggregation. And why do we say its judgment is likely to be accurate? Well, it's not quite a, a mathematical truism, however much we might like it to be. But, quote, if you ask a group of diverse, independent people to make a prediction or to estimate a probability and then average out those estimates, the errors each of them makes in coming up with an answer will cancel themselves out. Each person's guess has two components, information and error. Subtract, that is, cancel out the error, and you're left with the information. Unquote. And that's from a book called The Wisdom of Crowds. That all depends on there being good information in there in the first place, of course. Diversity expands the different set of possible solutions and allows the problems to be conceptualised in novel ways from different perspectives. It also makes it easier to make decisions based on facts rather than on influence, authority or being part of a group. So a large group of diverse individuals will come up with better and more robust forecasts and make more intelligent decisions than even the most skilled individual decision makers. So this is all complicated stuff. There could be bits done by automated computer algorithms, as we're seeing now with things like decisions on whether or not to give mortgages to people or whether such and such a prisoner should be considered for parole. It's important that this sort of combination of the wisdom of crowds and group decision-making is not made into the final decision on things. There has to be at least one other step before putting something into policy, perhaps two or more other steps. But before we get to that, there are lots of different bits which need to be brought into ensuring that good group decision-making is taken place. Now, perhaps all of this needs to involve some element of what we call gamification, not deliberative polls, but rather a bit more like fantasy football with ranking and super forecasting mixed in. This is what Owen Jones has said about the internet as being a heart of a possible democratic revolution. Quote, the rise of the internet 
and in particular social media, provide fresh opportunities for movements to link together. So far, they've failed to do so in a coherent way. They have to do so and to start organising around similar demands because, like Britain, they will find it impossible to change their country alone. Unquote. That's from a book by Owen Jones called The Establishment. So we'd need to have information. We'd need to set out both sides. We'd need to rank them. They need to have some sort of background reading to read, to re-rank. There's at least one website out there which is doing something very much like this, like a more sophisticated version of YouGov. You might find it interesting in terms of methods of informing and introducing background information. It's called Open Up UK. That's www.openupuk, all one word, .org. Open Up UK tries to explore what we think about things by getting us to share our opinions on different ideas. Not just the big idea, such as should the UK leave the EU, but on all the little ideas which are behind it, such as would the UK be better able to control immigration if it left the EU? Or would our influence in the world be greater if we left the EU? Unpicking the big ideas and clarifying for ourselves what our opinions are on all the little ideas which are behind the big ideas, well, that can help us to understand whether we really agree with what we thought was our opinion on the big idea. So it's not easy, but the basic idea isn't that complicated. We have a big pool of ideas, we allow everyone to have a look at them, and we allow, we allow some sort of system of online voting or ranking for the best ideas, to allow the best ideas to be filtered out. And where would this leave our idea of not letting lorries into the fast lane of the motorway or dual carriageway? Well, if enough people thought it was a good idea and voted for it or ranked it, then it would gradually drift towards the top of the list of suggestions. But we can't just stop there. A concerted campaign by a pressure group, for example, might bring an idea to the top, even though it wasn't that good an idea or wasn't an idea which would help everyone. Just because a lot of people have voted for our idea of keeping lorries out of the fast lane doesn't mean that there might not be unintended consequences. Perhaps a knock-on effect on food supplies. Perhaps an increase in greenhouse gas emissions from transport, rather than the reduction we're hoping for. We need at least one other stage. So, third, although we'd have a much shorter, condensed, combined list now, how do we work out whether we would really want to take any of those ideas on and really put them into practice? Well, have you heard of super forecasters? The idea of super forecasters is that there are some people who are really good at assessing things. Super forecasters mostly deal with predictions about the future. For example, is there likely to be a revolution in such and such a country in the next five or ten years? Is there likely to be a nuclear conflict in Europe as a result of the conflict in Ukraine? Quite specific, targeted questions like that. How do they do this and why are they good at it? Well, there's a long answer to that, but it involves people who are patient, people who are prepared to look objectively at all the information, people who are good at balancing pros and cons of different information, people who listen to all the details, but who are not necessarily swayed by all the details, people who are doing their thinking independently, rather than a committee of people together in a room who might be swayed by the strongest personality in the room. There are lots of variables, and if you're interested in learning more about super forecasters, then it's a really interesting subject. You'll find links in the transcript of this podcast on our website at www.talktogether.info.
Anyway, with our first filtering of ideas, so that everyone and anyone gets to contribute what they think are good ideas, possibly even with some computer algorithm doing some of the sorting as well, we could then ask our specialist, super forecasters, to have a careful look at the top, best, most popular ideas. Thinking about our idea about lorries in the fast lane, would there be unintended consequences, such as delays in food deliveries for perishable foodstuffs like vegetables or salad? Would there be an impact on greenhouse gas emissions? It's important that there's a pool of independent thinkers who are given the space and resources to analyse these ideas before they're genuinely put forward to our policymakers to make into reality. Could you be a super forecaster? Well, why not? It could be anyone. The point about super forecasters is that they are not necessarily specialists in the field they're working on, only that they're prepared to put in the thinking and the learning to be able to make good decisions. In fact, just being involved in the first initial sifting of the best ideas is a little bit like being a mini super forecaster anyway. One key to successful group decisions is getting people to pay much less attention to what everyone else is saying, because collective decisions are only wise when they incorporate lots of different information. In summary then, we would share ideas, we'd have some sort of technical infrastructure using technology intelligently, we would vote online, making informed choices, not just random opinions, linking up our thinking about the future, not just making isolated opinions. People, I think, would generally rise to the responsibility of that. We would democratically develop a popular manifesto from these ideas and choices. And then we'd elect people to make it happen, rather than elect them, as we do now, to choose what happens. Now, truth be told, this might be more than we're ready for. But it's important to have this in the backs of our minds, because it's nearly possible already. So why should we be thinking about doing any of this anyway? What are the issues? What are the facts? What are the options? What do you think? Well, because it's about doing things together, not separately. In this world, it's great that there are many different lobby groups about which people are passionate. It's great that there's passion, there's thought, there's feeling going into each issue. But we shouldn't actually be run by the ideas which come just from the people who are best at getting those ideas heard. It should be about the quality of the ideas, not about how good you are at lobbying or even how much money or power or connections your lobby group has. To run a country, all these things need to come together. The existing political parties have clearly failed to take at least some ideas and at least some pressure groups seriously, or have at least failed to address their concerns and aims seriously. It seems as though they're happy that our passions should be divided. Divide all the lobby groups and do actually whatever the politicians want, rather than reflect what the people want. Have you ever heard the poem, First They Came, by Martin Niemöller? It goes like this. First, they came for the socialists, and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. We need to rally together around the best ideas, no matter whether they have the biggest budgets or not, the loudest voices or not, or whether they went to school with the right people or not. If we combine our passions, we can be heard more clearly together. 
we can convince others and make it possible for everyone to understand why our issues are important. We can set out what could be done, how it could be different, how it could make things better. It might have been true that we might once have needed wise heads to rule over us. But we've grown up. We've learned. We can take part. We have ideas to contribute. And we should come together, talk things through together, and see that we are listened to. Together. Behind all of this is a very basic formula. People plus good information equals good decisions. We need to be careful, not leaping before we're ready. We need to think about what other people are thinking. Be careful not to make news out of other people's opinions. We need to be careful about herding, just thinking what other people are thinking. We need to disclose our information without hype or comment from people in positions of influence. Remember that sharing knowledge is power. There are definitely some problems with existing consultation models. Very often it's too much about detail. It's too much about a way of saying that we have consulted rather than actually seriously consulting. But we need to do better. We have to hope for some better prospect of expressing who we are, what we value in our state and our public services, and where we belong in the world. That last sentence is from Polly Toynbee and David Walker in their book Cameron's Coup. So that's it. Citizen thinking and ideas. Ideas and thinking from all of us, gathered together into a great big database pool of ideas, then sorted, perhaps a little bit by algorithm, automatically by computer, perhaps by some sort of decision market with people voting for the best ideas, perhaps by people building their fantasy football of ideas rating, by being really careful about the quality of the ideas they support to ensure that people are doing so sensibly, thoughtfully but using the insight and perspectives of everyone in a decision market incorporating the wisdom of crowds, then sorting the ideas again in a very careful analysis by super forecasters, spending the time to assess things very carefully. The pros, the cons, the unintended consequences, the most likely real impact of a change. And then putting these ideas to our policymakers. Those policymakers might be our elected politicians, they might be our members of our citizen government, perhaps a bit of both, but armed with the best ideas and with all the best information to understand the implications and impact of those ideas, well then perhaps we might actually get better government. What do you think? Could we really manage to get better government? If you'd like to look at the transcripts of this podcast, including links to all our sources and references, please go to www.talktogether.info and follow the links to the podcast from there. And of course, if you'd like to contact us, not least if you'd like to share any of your ideas, please email us anytime on info at talktogether.info. If you've enjoyed this podcast, then I hope you'll take the time to tell your friends. And perhaps you could also take a moment to give us a rating wherever you found us. That not only helps other people to find us, it also just really makes us feel appreciated. That would be great. Thank you.